Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. And I'm Benedict Collins. And it's been a very big, interesting week here in politics. Shall we start off with our pits and our peaks? Do you want to go first? What do you want to start with? Yeah, well, I was an eager beaver at the weekend and I went off to the um, National Party's uh, conference in Lower Hutt that they had um, with the idea of sort of trying to uh, find out from Alfred Nardo what his uh, plans are with his new um, Conservative Party. We couldn't get anyone to front uh, last week and sure enough, um, got out there and didn't get too much of a response from him, but it's a story that flowed on through the week. But the but the kind of highlight was for TV. It's you know a little bit tedious being in a room, uh, you know, in a conference centre with nothing really happening. Afterwards, we got out, got to um, follow Simon Bridges out uh, to a pub. Um, we we're actually a series of pubs out at Brewtown, out in Upper Hut, uh, and so we got some great footage of him, you know, out there meeting people. It was like a bit of a lifesaver in terms of turning your track into something interesting for the public to My watch. favourite shot of that was the baby. Um, politicians and babies tend to gravitate to each other and this really adorable child that um, Simon Bridges was holding was comatose, just like <laughs> hanging on his coma. shoulder yeah. and it was just, yeah. it was such a cool shot and, and it's interesting television I guess for people showing that side of things. Yeah. Um, my highlight also on Sunday, also very keen to work on the weekend, um, I came in to cover the announcement by the government um, to do with um, sexual and family violence and um, I went and did an interview with a woman called Brody Joyce and she spoke about her own personal experience and it was just a really powerful interview yeah. and I yeah. just thought um, that she was really brave for sharing so openly um, and so I think that for me I just it it puts things in perspective a little bit sometimes in politics we can get bogged down with things and just having people like her being brave enough to speak out I just thought yeah she was really impressive it's just so eloquent well spoken really I felt really sort of brought things down to to a level where they're sort of really easily explained as well yeah yeah yeah. so I think um for me that was that was um something that I um, really enjoyed doing and then really enjoyed putting on the news that night um in terms of 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 pits, I guess, sort of that same vein. We just had the um, Debbie Francis report out, and we were, we were expecting this report into bullying and cult, the bullying culture here at Parliament. And I think um, we all kind of expected for the bullying to be quite bad. I, I think what I had under and under appreciated is the um, sexual assault, um, the number of people who had reported that over the last five years. So there were 14 cases of sexual assault, um, three labelled extremely serious yeah. um, and just a number of you know inappropriate touching and inappropriate text messages and things like that and I think it just made you think in in this place especially that's meant to be you know the the place that people look to it's meant to be the example and, and it's really not particularly in this area. Mm. Yeah I was talking this week just to someone who had um, been basically they felt they were bullied out of parliamentary services um, a couple of years ago, and they were just describing a really sort of toxic culture that they thought existed here as well. Mm, yeah. It was all a bit bleak. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for, for me, the, the pit of the week would be, um, we'll get, and we're going to have a look um, a little bit later on at Mikey Sherman's um, track on uh, MSD and basically the spying on beneficiaries that they were doing. Um, but for me, I, I spoke to the minister um, on Tuesday, and I said, "Look, Carmel Cipollone, um, look, do you want to apologise to the 
you know, the thousands of beneficiaries here who've been illegally spied on by MSD. Um, you know, just disgraceful behaviour, going through all their text messages, confronting them with, like, intimate photos and meetings, you know, getting their birth records and police records, like, just out of control. And the minister refused to apologise to these people. I thought, you know, uh, leadership's a bit lacking there. I mean, sure, they're saying, oh, look, a lot of this happened on national and we're trying to put a stop to it. But, you know, when you've got all these vulnerable people being spied on um, and, and targeted by a government department, um, you know, who are breaking the law... In doing so, you know, I think an apologies uh, would have been, you know, not too much for the minister to have. And it was perhaps the tone in answering the questions as well that was quite interesting. Yeah, with her, yeah, a little quite dismissive. Yeah, a little belligerent. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but um, and I I noticed I was we're just watching Mikey's track again just before, and they were describing a real toxic culture at the MSD, Um, and that sort of flows quite well into the bullying track we're going to have a look at right now. High pressure, high stakes and hierarchical. The perfect storm for a toxic workplace, complete with bullying and sexual abuse, according to a damning report. I found harmful behaviours to be systemic. It outlines 14 allegations of sexual assault, three labelled extremely serious, involving predatory behaviour over several years. You feel completely powerless. You've got a job you enjoy. You don't want to raise it in case no one takes your side. You'll find most of the dodgy stuff happens on trips away or when drinking is present. The report doesn't say if it was MPs or staff members accused or whether they are still at Parliament. Obviously can't comment on that. That has the potential to re-traumatise those survivors. Details of widespread bullying by MPs are also laid out, with a small number labelled repeat offenders. It talks about abusive calls and texts, aggression and shouting. One staff member was yelled at for not ironing an MP's shirt. It's not an acceptable part of a modern workplace. So what do those working here think? It should be an exemplar, and at the moment it's not. We've all got a problem, we all need to own it. I am surprised we haven't had um, massive self-harm and suicide in this place. Have I been bullied in Parliament, or am I talking to the right people here? And even the Speaker himself. Were you a bully? Uh, I, I think I have acted inappropriately on occasions, yes. Allegations against then-Minister Mika Whaiteri and the Jamie Lee Ross saga sparked the investigation. I think just about every MP has been bullied and I think just about every MP will have been in a situation where they haven't done well uh, by their staff. At Parliament, staff can be dismissed if your relationship with the MP breaks down. Non-disclosure agreements and payouts happen often. A lot of MPs come to Parliament with not a lot of experience of being employees and all of a sudden they have staff to manage. Now it's about trying to change this unhealthy environment. I think the biggest thing to kind of talk about this story is the mood and atmosphere around Parliament. Now this all sounds strange for people who don't spend a lot of time here, but I really feel like you can feel feel at Parliament when something's happening and when, some, when there's kind of like mm. an energy around and you can just kind of feel a bit of a buzz and the speed at which press secretaries walk and the um, expression on MPs' faces and you can kind of feel when things are brewing and bubbling. We just had this bizarre, strange situation yesterday where Trevor Mallard um, on breakfast said, look, not only is there um, alleged rape that has happened here at Parliament. Three of them. But three of them, but that the alleged rapist is still working here. Oh, and I think and, and also oh, and I don't know who he is. Yeah, and he wouldn't say. And so we're left with a situation where it's kind of like almost like a mic drop and then for hours 
none of us know what the plan is, what's going on. And I think especially um, Benedict and I both went and interviewed um, MPs going into select committees in the morning. And I think um, for a lot of people, we were sort of giving the news to them. And you can see the surprise and shock I'm um, not with all of them, but with some of them. Like Fletcher Tabatau was, I thought, maybe the most sort of interesting for, for TV reaction. Just, this is horrifying. I'm horrified yeah. that, this is, that this has gone on here. And that they they know there's a rapist here and they're allowing him to come to work. Yeah, and the difficult thing was is that we didn't know at that point whether it was a member of parliament, That's whether right. it was a member mm. of staff, whether it was a, a member of the press gallery. No one knew. And so it just was this, um, I think Anna White and our online team described it as icky, and, and that's a really good description. It just felt icky um, through yesterday and just kind of looking for answers and waiting. And then, of course, we had that meeting with the party leaders and then um, at 3.30, Trevor Mallard came out and gave some answers. But I just, it was just one of those mm. bizarre days at Parliament. And it was interesting yesterday talking to Winston Peters because he came out, he'd been meeting with the um, Prime Minister of Vanuatu and he came out and obviously he'd been briefed. And we'd sort of, for hours and hours, you're sort of in the state of suspense as an MP, you know, and then we learned that the Prime Minister had basically said to the Speaker, what is going on? I want... A meeting now with all the political leaders. So you had the Greens there. You had um, Paula and Paula Ben and Simon Bridges both turning up, as well as the Prime Minister and Calvin Davis. So you're starting to think, oh, is it an MP? You know, obviously mm-hmm. all the political leaders are here. And it wasn't until Winston Peters came out and actually started giving us some information well before the Speaker fronted, um, you know, and said, hey, look, it's it's not a member of Parliament. And really, I thought, kind of putting the boot into Trevor Mallard um, over the way he'd handled it, allowing that suspicion to be cast over everyone you know, mm-hmm. at, at Parliament the way he did that. And I thought it was pretty interesting in your track that Trevor Mallard said, oh, you know, I, expe- I accept some responsibility. I, I kind of regret how it's played out. I accept some responsibility. I mean, good God, man. <laughs> yeah. You know. I just, it was one of those things, and I think um, Andrew Vance put it well in an article that she wrote yesterday. The outcome was right. Yeah. So the fact <clears> that <throat> this man has now been stood down, but the process to get there was really messy. Um, and I think that's a word I used last night to describe it in the six o'clock cross that mess, it's just been a messy day at Parliament. And I think that. Um, we need someone needed to be stood down, and perhaps we needed this pressure. I what I'd be really interested to know, and I'm not sure if we ever will, is how calculated that was from Trevor Mallard because he talked about it um, on Morning Report and on Breakfast in the morning, and I just wonder how calculated it was in terms of the ripple effect. I mean, he's an experienced politician; he knows what that means doing things like that and I just wonder how he thought it was going to play out um, and whether it played out the way that he wanted to but also why not do it the day before Mm. You know, where that right because you're in that meeting where you sort of yeah. tried to get more information out of them, and they refused to go there, right? Well, they actually the the, uh, the question was asked point blank by one of the reporters, um, "Is it rape?" And they said, "We're not we're not talking about that. That's not something that we're going to comment on." So he did go a lot further that next morning, um, and I thought it was a really interesting interview that John Campbell did on breakfast, and he just said, um, "Is it is it?" alleged rape yes um could the person still be working in parliament yes and i think um john's words were something like it's not you know it's a far from ideal situation so i think even that very those very first moments you realize the sort of gravity of those words and it felt all day yesterday like things were going to snowball like this was simply unacceptable and that something was going to change and you never know really they said oh hey you know a member of staff came forward and sort of refiled a previous complaint that they reopened and the guy was immediately stood down Mm. 
you wonder how engineered that was you know once they realized this realized the situation wasn't simply yeah, wasn't and, acceptable and the what they looked into last time wasn't rape mm. so first of all what what, and these are the questions, I guess, that we don't have the answers to and, and we weren't able to clarify from the Speaker Trevor Mallard yesterday was, um, why was it why was rape not investigated last time? And um, what happened, why was there no outcome to that investigation? And what's changed now? And is it the public pressure and the scrutiny? The other thing I really want to know the answer to and that's really irritating me is <laughs> whether the police will investigate. Now, the police have come out and said, oh, no, when we're not saying whether we're launching a police investigation because we want to protect the rights of the victim. Absolutely 100%. The media, the public, nobody wants to, to, um, wants to know about the, the victim's name or, or identify it. Inflict yeah. any harm. Yeah. But... In a situation like this, you want to know that the authorities are dealing with the situation. That's what makes people feel safe. That's what you know that we're, that justice will be done, that a process is underway. Yep. And police refusing to say whether they are even looking into this. Um, I, I, just, I, I find it frustrating and I just feel like um, they should be letting the public know that the proper processes are, are taking place or not so that you can say, well, why aren't they going to police? And, and I just, it's one of those pet... <clears throat> things I talked to them about it on Tuesday I talked to them about it on Wednesday and I just feel like it's um it's a time where they should be saying that they're investigating they don't have to give any details but they should comfort the public in that way yeah speaking of comforting I thought it was quite amazing Paula Bennett sort of having to advise national party women in the national party mm. to, to walk around parliament in groups yeah because they were that worried that there was a, a rapist you know, at Parliament, yeah. pretty, pretty incredible scenes. And just uh, the description that Paula Bennett gave and just said people are feeling um, nervous and, and no one should have to feel that way at work. I just think mm. that that's a, that's a really important thing that we should all be allowed to come to work and feel feel safe here. But um, I think, it, yeah, it's just, I think it's been a really, and yesterday was a really unusual day and I think one of those ones that we might remember for a little while and um, segueing I think um, Alfred Naro might remember this week um, reasonably well as well when it goes down in um, political history so let's have a look at your track on that. The unofficial launch of Alfred Naro's Conservative Christian Party. Where are our values gone? Where have they eroded to? Flanked by two senior National Party male colleagues, Mr Naro went after women who receive abortions. Has any woman actually ever been made to feel like a, a criminal? Absolutely not. I think he hasn't stood outside an abortion clinic then when people have been screaming murderer, murderer, murderer. I don't think that Alfred Naro can speak for New Zealand women. Look, I don't agree with what he's saying. I wouldn't say what he's saying. Mr Naro's also been under fire for likening abortion to the Holocaust on social media. I regret that. What I would put in there in place of Holocaust, I'll put the word tragedy. Why is it that there's 13,000 this year alone? Alfred is a threat to the rights of half the population, though, with his views around abortion. For women uh, who go through that process and make that choice, it's hard enough uh, without being harassed. Mr Naro says Kiwis tell him they're worried about abortion law reform. Do you accept that we should have abortions at four weeks? We're talking full term. That view condemned today by a group campaigning for reform. This is false. This is calumny. This is a ridiculous misogynist lie. Mr Naro didn't only lash out on abortion today, he also condemned euthanasia. 
And while he'll no doubt be happy at the publicity his potential new party has received, he's also happy to stay on here at Parliament and keep getting paid as a national MP. Meanwhile, some say the idea behind a new Christian party makes sense. An Alfred Nairo-led party would actually be able to, I think, get some voters off Labour, off New Zealand first. Saving a spray for the media too. So I'll do my job, but how about you do your job too? Why don't you print the truth? The Conservative National Party MP courting controversy as he looks to transition. Yeah, so I think I coined that the unofficial launch of Alfred Nardo's, um new Christian Conservative Party. Uh, I think hitting in on those, we'd sort of speculated, you know, issues that would be ripe for a, you know, a new Conservative Christian Party that Alfred's looking to set up. Um, issues for them to hone in on, like euthanasia, like abortion law reform, um, you know, and he he hit those two. And I, you know, also thought it was kind of interesting that he went to the old, uh, you know, sort of Donald Trump playbook or Winston Peters playbook of blame the media, you're not doing your job, blah, blah, blah. He's going to guarantee guarantee himself a few headlines there. Yeah. Um, one of the more curious things I thought were um, Mark Mitchell and Todd McClay, two very senior uh, national MPs there, standing side by side uh, or side side with him you know, as he launched this uh, rather controversial attack. I, I did kind of get wondered halfway through his attack whether they were regretting um, standing there with their man. Yeah, we call them the bobblehead nodding dog <laughs> things that in the background and you just wonder if um, perhaps part of the way through they may have slightly been nodding less um, than right at the beginning. It's just they come out in solidarity which is obviously important and I guess personally their mates but it is one of those situations where this guy's trying to set up a new party. He's not going to be towing the party line anymore. And we are in this extraordinary situation, you pointed it out over the weekend, where he is, uh, or you pointed it out this week actually, Mm. that uh, he is still a national MP, but he is working to try and set up this other political party. And in any other job, you'd be like, see you later, mate. You're, you know, if you want to do that, you're out. And yet because he's going to be, he could be potentially a coalition partner, um, it's almost like Simon Rogers is like, la, 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 you and just it, carry yeah. on. Hey, stay on as a national MP, keep collecting your yeah. um, taxpayers-funded uh, salary, you know, all, all good, and look to set up your own party in your own yeah. time. But I do mm. think this week, and that's and it, it goes into the wider context, so we've got to, we've got this potential um, conservative Christian party, and it was actually quite interesting, on Friday I interviewed um, the leader of the new conservative party that took over after Colin Craig and he was saying look I, I think there's a big appetite for a conservative party here and and obviously Alfred Nardo feels the same way so they're both kind of playing into that but we've got the sort of um, conservative Christian element here we've got the sort of green blue teal element that um, they're trying to pick up on um, and now you've you've got as well today the news that um, and we haven't heard exactly what's going to happen yet but with Destiny Church as well so you've suddenly got all of these little um, it's almost like all these little pots of paint coming on to the coming on to the mix of things so that just to see how the shape and how the colour of, of politics is going to look next year. Yeah and I think you know, Nationals, Simon Bridges was telling us that we can, hey, no way, we're not doing a deal um, in, in Botany with with Alfred. Um, no, we're not going to be giving him that seat. Not in Botany. Yeah, but my, my kind of take on this is maybe um, Nationals thinking you can only put the people of Botany through so much. <laughs> um, you know, not wanting to uh, then inflict, you know, this kind of... Um, 
election deal on them as well, <laughs> like they do in Epsom. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he tries to, you know, take a stand or yeah. um, what seat he thinks he may do well in. Um, that's all sort of water to go under the bridge, I think, yeah. at the moment. But it's going to be... And how much he can bring to the table. Because yeah. if he can bring a couple of percent, yes, sure, you can have a seat because that's three MPs. If you're polling under 1%, if he, if he has a big mistake or a big um, tactical error that goes away from his voters and he's not able to bring any votes, see you later, buddy. You're no use to me. Um, Act can We can give Act one seat. So it's, I just think it'll be it's a pure numbers game. And that's yeah. what he's got 18 months to figure out. And I did see um, some commentary in the media, people describing this, Alfred doing this as a bit of a Hail Mary. And it's all, you know, if he does leave and does set up his own conservative Christian party, which it looks like he's going to, it is a bit of a Hail Mary in t- terms of his political career as well, right? Because mm. if you don't hit that 5% threshold and you don't want a seat, mm. see you later, mate. Yeah, we'll go back to being a pastor. I didn't realise that about him, actually, that he was a former... Um, that he trained and was a pastor, so really interesting. Um, but I, I guess it shows that it's not just um, that we're not the first time that we've been looking for new parties and looking to form all sorts of alliances. So have a look at this feature that Adam dug out um, from 2007. Richard Lewis and Gordon Copeland should be happily jointly leading a new united religious party. Instead, it's become the Christian version of Pistols at Dawn. There's a saying, you know, that for two to work together, walk together, they need to be in harmony. And that really came to an end when I was uh, blindsided. Blindsided when destiny didn't warn him, it was announcing Richard Lewis as co-leader during a live internet broadcast. Now he wants him gone. I think he has some uh, things to offer the country, but not as a co-leader. I'm not sure where uh, Gordon thinks he's got the authority to make those kind of statements. He's prepared to turn the other cheek. I'm open to work together. Um, I can get past it. Certainly, um, I'm not easily offended. But it seems Gordon Copeland would prefer MP Tito Philip Field at his side, but he's facing bribery charges. But Mr Field may not be keen to work with him. A statement from his representative says Gordon Copeland's response is staggering and questions whether he's just out to destroy destiny. Interestingly, this statement was put out by a PR woman who also works for Destiny. There are also questions about just who's behind this party. It's headed by a council of religious leaders, but they won't tell us who they are. You're asking people then to vote for you without knowing who's behind a party? No, I'm not. He says they'll only play a behind-the-scenes advisory role. At the moment, it's those in the public eye that can't get it together. And so they were unsuccessful in gaining seats, weren't they? Yeah. The 2008 election. They were very unsuccessful. In fact, we've just had the latest numbers from that, um, 0.54%, which was 12,755 votes, which actually, I guess, given the circumstances, was quite a few. But it just shows um, the drama that goes on in politics sometimes. And I think uh, what I also found quite interesting is um, from 2007 having a live internet stream. Yes, yes. It, quite innovative for back then, Um Fran Mulder is also a very dear friend of mine, so I quite liked seeing her back on the news. I'll have to mention to her, um, she's mm. now living in South Sudan, that we're still playing her news on the On the, on the podcast, excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, also interesting, eh? Like, I wonder, uh, we were just sort of chatting before about with the Destiny political party relaunching today, what that will mean for the, you know, with the Christian vote, if you've got Alfonado launching his own conservative Christian party and how things are all... You know whether that could split the potential vote. They're going to be interesting to see how things play out there if they didn't team up in some way. Yeah, and who they're going to steal that vote 
from as well, whether it's New Zealand first, whether it's national. So I just think it's a really <coughs> fascinating, all the coalition friends and buddies, it's such a fascinating yeah. space, and, and I think we'll be doing a lot about it yeah. over the next year. Even at the conference back at the weekend, talking to Nathan Guy, you know, senior national MP, he was sort of saying, oh, I'm not too sure, because national kind of needs all the party votes we can get, <laughs> you mm. know, if we want to be trying to get back into the government mm. obviously that's kind of ignoring that they also need a friend yeah you know, a, a powerful friend preferably to get back over the line perhaps and who they'll give that <coughs> seat to and perhaps mm. they're being a little bit private about who they're going to give that seat to and that segues nicely into our story on privacy that mikey sherman did <laughs> Disturbing and illegal behaviour by the Ministry of Social Development and its fraud investigations. Apparently they had text messages and stuff. This i never seen. Um, I haven't seen any of the evidence that they do have against me. Methods which have been labelled excessive and illegal by the Privacy Commissioner. I don't think most people would expect that if they share a, an intimate selfie with a partner uh, that they're going to be presented with a copy of that when they sit down for an interview with their work and income um, case manager. Other breaches included requesting domestic violence reports from police, using it as evidence a client was in a relationship. A woman's birthing records were also checked. Do you accept that you acted illegally? Well, the report's very clear and uh, from our perspective. It says that we didn't fulfil our legal obligations. The Ministry says it was acting on guidelines introduced in 2012, which bypassed beneficiaries instead going directly to third parties for private information. This is a course of successive governments and administrations of the Ministry that have maintained a toxic culture within the Ministry that has breached the privacy of thousands of people. We have $24 billion that we... Um, administer. We can't allow people just to willy-nilly steal from uh, the government. But the investigations resulted in just 300 prosecutions. These are serious matters that they're getting prosecuted for. They've done that in thousands of cases. A low estimate would be about 15,000 cases, of which probably half didn't result in any detection of fraud. Despite her ministry being in turmoil, Social Development Minister Carmel Cipollone wouldn't be interviewed today, instead saying in a statement an urgent review is underway and the practice of collecting information from telecommunication companies has stopped immediately. Meanwhile, there are calls for compensation. The amount of stress and humiliation that they have suffered is the type of thing that in any other regime would deserve compensation. The Ministry of Social Development says it'll deal with that on a case-by-case -case basis. The Privacy Commissioner saying he'll keep a close eye on it too. One of the most interesting bits of that story, I think, was the question about whether they acted illegally. And the answer, we didn't fulfil our legal obligation. So he wasn't prepared to say, yes, we acted illegally. Um, it was very much a um, political answer in that. Just such a fascinating story and a really important issue to shine light onto. It's just um, we have to protect our privacy in New Zealand and that's just an example of that. Yeah and great work from the um, Privacy Commissioner John Edwards. He you know, he smacked this out of the park. Um, he took MSD to town on this and, and I noticed earlier this week one of them went on uh, national media. So oh, no no he didn't say we behaved unlawfully. He didn't we, he didn't make that blah, blah, blah. we didn't behave illegally. Then John Edwards went on Twitter and highlighted all the uh, different passages of his report in which he blatantly said they'd behaved illegally and unlawfully um you know so he yeah was very strong on that it was good to see yeah and i think especially um for a, a part of the community who um can sometimes be vulnerable um to that 
side of things as well. I think it's really important that um, the Privacy commissioners, Commissioner is looking into that side of things. So I found that story really interesting and I know it um, prompted and sparked a lot of discussion in our office that day. Yeah. It, interesting there as well, I thought that the Minister you know, wouldn't front up for Mikey's, Mikey's story, you know, just AWOL. And then on um, this week when I tried to sort of talk to her about it, um, I repeatedly said, oh, I just want to talk to you about the unlawful behaviour at the Ministry of Social Development. She's what, what unlawful behaviour? What unlawful behaviour? It's like, come on, you're the minister here, step up. And I wonder if on a different week that might have carried on a little bit mm. more. I think that um, we, got, we got swallowed up with other things with bullying this week. And yeah, Alfred so I do Nardo. wonder... Um, how much that played into things and if that would have been a bigger her response would have been a bigger story on a different week but we might have to leave it there and get on with the rest of our day and let these guys get (laughs) on with the rest of their day too so that it's been great to have you with us on Inside Parliament it's our weekly catch up about the political stories we've been covering we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram it's available around this time each week on the One News Now Facebook page and check us out on your favourite podcasting apps. We'll see you guys next week.